Welcome to What Leaders Need Now. Today's topic is authenticity in the workplace. Diane Early is our special guest today. I've known Diane for over 20 years, and most recently I've reconnected with her as a coaching partner and a What Leaders Need Now collaborator. I'm so excited to talk with her today about this topic. We've both known countless people that have struggled with authenticity in the workplace. First, let me read Diane's bio. Diane Early is the principal of D. Early Coaching and Consulting, LLC. Her client list includes corporate executives, aspiring senior leaders, and business owners. Diane has over two decades of sales and leadership experience at major media companies like ABC, Gannett, Comcast, and Cox. She is skilled at driving results and helping teams and individuals thrive in highly competitive environments. And she's a torchbearer for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Diane is a Northwestern University graduate, Go Wildcats, and a certified professional coach with IPEC and International Coaching Federation. In her practice, she merges her business insights and understanding of workplace dynamics with a desire to empower clients to strategically define, achieve, and measure their next level success. These things, along with sunsets on the beach, bring her joy. Welcome, Diane. Thank you. Thank you for that introduction, Andrea. I'm so excited to be here. Great. So Diane, you underwent a freeing personal transformation when you left your corporate executive job. Can you tell us about that? I can. So I, I have always worked for great companies. I've had great leadership positions. I've built diverse teams. I've always enjoyed my jobs. I, I um, as you said in the introduction, I really have supported diversity. I've celebrated the differences of my team. I recognize the value and the importance of diversity um, as just a, a business imperative. And at the same time, I never really felt that I was bringing 100% of my authentic self to work. I just, I just wasn't. I got in the habit of melding into the corporate culture. I got in the habit of trying to fit in. I got in the habit of trying to uh, not feed into any negative stereotypes. Um, so even as much as I was a supporter of these things that are so important, I really didn't practice what I preached. So I felt um, a tremendous difference. I didn't even realize how exhausted I was from that until I retired. Once I retired from my corporate life, it just felt lighter. I felt different. I felt freer. It wasn't planned. It wasn't intentional on my part. I just felt like a different person. And when I studied, um, when I started studying for my, um, my certification, I learned again how to go deeper and how to really get in touch with who I was and bring that forward and the benefits of that. I'm struck by the fact that you didn't plan it. Um, many times when I work with, with folks, they are on the fence between staying in a workplace where they know they're not being authentic and leaving. And I'm struck by the fact that you were in such a habitual um, way of being that you didn't even realize until you left that you were not being the full you. 
It's true. Wow. What was it about the coaching uh, program you went through that led you to, be, to realize that you had been behaving in that way? Good, good question. As I was learning to coach others, you know, that's about helping people get in touch with um, what they really want to do and need to do in life. It's about helping people be more authentic uh, so that they can achieve the goals that they want to achieve. And in learning that uh, and in understanding that really uh, all of my coaching clients actually would have the answers. It was my job to pull it out of them. I did a lot of work on myself as well, which really prepared me to support my clients more by understanding better how that process worked just with myself. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. So now you help leaders, you coach, maintain personal authenticity inside of environments where they might be expected to conform in ways that might make them uncomfortable. So you're not coaching them necessarily to go retire or find a different career. You're helping them be themselves inside of those environments. Is that, is that accurate? That's correct. Yeah. Can, you, can you talk about that? Can you give us some examples of that? Yeah, I actually have two that I can speak to. Um, one is this. I had a client who is a uh, first-generation child of immigrants. She's a senior director at a major company and very much she wants to fit in, right? First in her, her family to go to college, first in her family to have a corporate job. And um, it's very important to her that she not only get there, but she thrive and that she be able to survive, <clears throat> breadwinner for her family, all of those things. In her 360 assessment that we did, some of the feedback came back that uh, among her colleagues and uh, her team members, many people feel felt that while she had a very strong work ethic, they really enjoyed working with her, they didn't really, quote, know her. They didn't get to know her enough about her um, personally. They didn't feel that, uh, that she was relaxed enough or um, vulnerable enough or authentic enough for them to connect on a personal level. And that was important to them. Well, I mean, she grew up in a culture where her parents taught her to uh, keep your nose to the grindstone, stay in your lane, uh, don't complain, don't step out of your, your box, uh, and don't bring your personal self to work. That's just the culture that she came from. And yet here she is trying to fit into this corporate environment where they're almost requiring that of her. And it was very uncomfortable. So the thing that we worked on, very simple, is how can you stay true to kind of the cultural background that you have, continue to embrace that, and at the same time, try and meet the needs of your team members and your colleagues who are, are just... Um, trying very hard to get to know you better. We had to practice with her. She had to practice how to share and yes. what to share. Yes. So she was able to, um, in a team meeting, for example, because no one knew that she was a child of immigrants. No one knew that she had a, a cultural background that was so significantly different, in, at least in her mind. Um, that they might not be able to connect to that if she shared. 
But what she did share in a team meeting was a story about um, a family vacation that she took with her children and her parents. And she was able to weave into that conversation without revealing too much that, that she might've been uncomfortable sharing or was too personal, how excited she was that her children were able to visit her parents' homeland and learn from them firsthand about the, the culture there. And that kind of opened up the door just a little bit where people understood, oh, she has, she has some differences that, that maybe we can learn a little bit more about as time goes on. But she didn't have to start with, I'm staying in my lane. I don't want to share. I don't bring personal, you know, she just, she was able to share a story that everyone could connect to. That's I love, really simple. I love that story. And it, it makes me think about two things that we you know, we both know as coaches, one is that trust comes from vulnerability yes. and, and she's not going to, she's not going to build true vulnerability based trust with that team unless she does that. And, and so it's a fundamental and it's a, it's an appropriate ask for them to have. Right. So, you know, we talk about conforming to a culture, sometimes the things that people want us to conform to are not things that we want to conform to, or they're not even appropriate things. Right. You know, I guess that's a value judgment or a, a bias that we might have, but, but this is one that is pretty fundamental to how teams work and how teams are, are productive and cohesive. And so their ask is, is a good one. And, and then I also think about the, 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 the way people change and we, we look at, do you ask people to change their value system? No, but we ask people to change their behavior. So we ask them to stretch a little bit out of their comfort zone. And right. it's not to keep them out of their comfort zone. It's to expand their comfort zone. So you're giving her a little opportunity to, to expand her comfort zone a little bit in a way that's careful and safe. And maybe then she can go a little farther and a little farther. Um, but you're not asking her to shift her value system. That's right. That's well put. You articulated that better than I could. It, I think the safe space part is really important, right? And if you come from a place where you don't feel safe sharing certain types of information, that doesn't mean that you, you can't share, right? It means that you can pick and choose. So there's a yeah. space in between sharing and oversharing that you can go where you can feel safe. And I think yes. that's what happened for her. Yes. Yeah. And you had another story that you wanted yeah, so to share? Yeah, so the second client, I will say, I, um, I refer to her as having been on an apology tour, right? Someone who was hired into a corporate environment for her uniqueness, for her differences, for the fact that she could be outspoken, for the fact that she had brilliant ideas and wasn't afraid to share them. And hired by uh, a, a guy who, when they were in meetings together, always supported that, that pushed her out in front, um, uh, voluntold her to share information, things like that. And she was really good at that. The problem came when he, she was in meetings where her boss was not, where he wasn't there to uh, I'll say insulate her and and push her out there. So when she would speak up, 
she might get responses like eye rolls or pushback or, or you know, um, uh, signals to, to just be quiet, things like that. Well, it was uncomfortable for her. She didn't know what to do. I, I was asked to speak up and speak out, but on, on most occasions now when I'm in meetings, I'm not comfortable doing that because of the reaction that I get. And yet, if she stopped doing that, there would probably be a penalty to pay from her boss because there was an expectation that he had set. And she didn't feel comfortable having the conversation with him because he would have expected her just to handle it, make that go away and do what he had asked her to do. The thing that we worked on there was um, for her to continue to speak up, okay? So that she had this natural inclination to speak, but because she was uncomfortable, she would apologize before she spoke. I'm really sorry to say this. I'm sorry to interrupt. If you don't mind, I'd really like to share something. Um, you know, she was, she had to, she asked for permission when she spoke. And sometimes that permission might be, might be denied or she apologized for what she had to say, which instantly negated anything that she said after. So simple fix, stop apologizing. <laughs> stop, stop apologizing, continue to speak up. That's you, your authentic self. You're at your very best when you do that. Just stop apologizing and see if you can be uh, comfortable with that uncomfortableness long enough to push through because the penalty, if, if someone reports you to your boss for speaking up, there's no penalty. That's exactly what he's asked you to do. But if they can discourage you from speaking up and not report it up, then you are the one that loses, not that team of people. It's you and the organization who don't deliver on what you promised to do. Simple little thing. I don't know if that's a great example, but it's, it's a one great example. And and how do you have any data on how it's going? Or yeah, I can tell you that she got promoted. Wow. <laughs> I can tell wow. you that she received a promotion and uh, has been assigned a number of uh, tasks or projects where she's leading uh, change initiatives. So that's that's good. But I think if she didn't push through that experience that she was having with people who didn't buy into what she was doing, then she would never have been successful. She would have left or she would have continued to apologize, which would just weaken her position, make her appear to lack confidence. And it would have been that downward spiral that we are so familiar with. <laughs> I, I have so many thoughts about what you said. One is it's brilliant and it's what what you do well as a coach, almost always there's some self-sabotaging thing we do yep. that causes the resistance. And and I I say that not to not to make it okay for the people to do what they're doing, like push back and tell her to be quiet and tell her and not listen to her, because it's not okay. It's not okay that we can we can uh, ignore ignore the the quiet voices that we could ignore the the voices of dissent of difference than us that's right. not okay and 
if something isn't working the way we're communicating, trying to communicate in a different way is the, the option. And that's what coaches can help people do is figure out what they're doing that isn't being effective. So right. good for you for, for helping her see that starting with an apology was probably the way she was, was creating a non-listening in other people because right. they weren't paying attention to what she had to say. Right. And it could be any number of things people are doing from their body posture to the tone of mm -hmm. the voice they're using to all of those things. So, so good yeah. for you. And then there's the, there is the question of how do you as a coach help somebody with stamina through that process while they're, while they're being the change agent, if you will, and dealing with all that resistance? That's, that's one question. And then how do you do it if they don't have a sponsor or they don't have a strong sponsor like she has in her boss? Wow. So that's a, that's a great question. I think the first part of it is to be present and available. So if you have a regularly scheduled meeting or session every other week, creating that space for someone to maybe send a text or make a quick phone call, I think can help um, prop them up during difficult times sometimes you just need somebody to vent to or share with so you can come back to yourself and be reminded of why you're there, what's your mission, what's my goal, and, and regain your focus on something. I think that's, that's very important. And the second part, you know, I, I think sponsors are extremely important. But the truth is that most people don't have them in organizations. So if you don't have a sponsor, you have to, you're taking more risk. And I guess it would depend on what, um, how committed you are to the goal. Are you, are you um, acting as a result of someone giving you an assignment to act a particular way? Or are you doing that because this is what you know you need to do to survive? But if that, whatever that impetus is, if it is powerful enough, then you can always come back to that um, to bolster you. That's yeah. how I feel about it. Yeah, I, I asked the question with a, with a specific situation in mind. And I think it's one that every coach encounters and I'll, I'll, I'll make this a little bit generic. It's a real person and I'll make it somewhat generic to, to make it anonymous, you know, imagine someone gets hired because the organization needs innovation in an area and they know that they're behind, they're behind culturally. And it's in this case, it has to do with employee turnover, um, employee satisfaction, employees feeling valued, et cetera. So they hire a candidate who is who has got experience in ways to do things differently than they're used to doing them in this culture and has ideas that are gonna be representative of a lot of change. And the candidate themselves is 
very different than others in the organization in style, looks, um, the whole thing. He's, he's very different than the rest of the, the, the team. And, you know, met with, immediately met with resistance. I always call it the antibodies set in. Once they, you know, they hire the person thinking this is exactly who we need and then the antibodies set in and start attacking. And, and so, you know, what that person has to do, as you say, is focus on the purpose. But if you can't get anything done, eventually they don't feel like they are fulfilling a purpose and they don't want to stay around in an organization where they can't get anything done. Yeah. And yeah, go ahead. I want, please yeah. comment. So when you first started to um, describe that scenario, I immediately went to focus on a deliverable focus on something that you can do and do quickly that will um, uh, make it very clear that that result is because of who you are and how you approach things in this very different way. So sometimes corporations hire people like that who are very different. You described it perfectly, Andrea, because they want long-term change in their policy and in their corporate culture. And uh, that's usually always why, why they do it. And that person comes in and they start focusing on the things that, that um, are long-term. The, what, what cultural changes do we need to make? And they start to move in that direction. And sometimes they might forego short-term wins to focus on the long-term result that they were hired to deliver. I would say break that mold and do something quick. Love so it. I don't know what quick, let's say 90 days. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm making up that time frame. It, it's going to depend on every situation. So if you were hired to change the culture of an organization with regard to how they hire, what their hiring practices are, go hire somebody who represents the, the kind of person that that long-term change is going to attract to the organization. See if you can do that. If you can do that, it will cause enough of a distraction away from how you're dressed, how you speak, how you show up, whether your hair is in, you know, whatever, if it's purple or whatever, because people are going to have to say, wow, they, that guy just hired Andrea Chilcote. It's a, and, and so it just is, a, is a, a distraction long enough for you to then try to focus on the other stuff. Maybe love that's, it. that's one. Love it. I love that, Diane. The second is maybe um, if you're in a position to be able to affect that kind of change quickly, then you're probably in a position to, to influence uh, other people in the organization, or let's say this, you're in a position to give others in the organization permission to also be authentic in some way. So uh, again, if you're, if this person has a team of his own that he's managing, why not just, get, I, don't, I don't know what it would look like, but give them some opportunity to bring their full selves to work and demonstrate, again, quick win, demonstrate how that improves 
uh, productivity, how it, how it delivers on some result that is going to be important to the company. And then the resistance kind of, I don't know, it starts to waver because that resistance is that old school thinking that says, this is how we've always done things. We can't make this change. It's never going to work. So if you can break through that to show that something that you're doing actually does work, then maybe you buy yourself a little more time, just a, a little more time, <laughs> you know, so you can work on the long-term changes that you came there for. I love it. Thank you for that. Both really, really good points. Okay. That's very helpful. Yeah. One of the things that I think is important, Diane, about the conversation we just had is that authenticity is not just to make people feel comfortable at work, which is important. It's important that people spend their 40 hours or 60 hours able mm -hmm. to be themselves and be comfortable, but it's so that they can fulfill the purpose at work. And the example we just talked about is a really good example that if we can't be who we are, we can't deliver on the value that we're hired to bring to the organization. And, and I think that's a point that, that we can't miss here. This mm -hmm. is not just a matter of making people feel good about themselves. This is a matter of business results. That is exactly right, Andrea. It's a, I think that that's an argument that is hard for people to push back on, right? Those uh, the, the folks that think that authenticity isn't important for whatever reason, if you can tie business results to it, that argument kind of goes away. Their feeling about it doesn't, doesn't change, but there's going to be less resistance overall, I think. Yeah, good point. I want to raise another aspect of, of authenticity. Um, you've read my book, What Leaders Need Now. Yes. One of the three qualities that we talk about. We talk about compassion, courage, and humility as the three qualities that leaders need now. And one of the things I've been struck by as people are beginning to read the book and give me feedback is that many are feeling gratified that I talk about compassion as a leadership quality. Mm -hmm. And even saying that they've thought that their compassion is something to 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 hide and stuff in and be more tough-minded and that other qualities like decisiveness and, and being more authoritative were things that leaders were expected to do and that their, their soft side, if you will, is something that they've had to, had to kind of hide and their sensitivity is something that wasn't valuable at work. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel so sad about that in some ways. And um, and also glad that they are finally able to see that that is, that is so important. And that's another aspect of, of authenticity and, and something that certainly right now in a world where stress at work and anxiety has reached record highs yep. and all of the surveys, um, the Gallup, um, global workplace survey just came out a couple of weeks ago. I just read a big catalyst study. It, it's been out for a year or so, but um, similar data. Everything we see 
even pre-pandemic, but especially during and post-pandemic, says that what people really need is to be listened to and understood. And um, so this idea of authenticity being including being able to be a caring, compassionate, empathetic leader um, is something that I'm really interested in and, and, and really um, trying to promote. Can you comment on that in terms of your work? Absolutely. First of all, I'm delighted about it too, because it, it, it can change the game for women and people of color at work in leadership roles. And, and I say that because as, as you know, uh, women who express passion are considered to be um, emotional. Very often people of color who express emotion just in the, in the, in the course of debating a topic at work or advocating for a particular idea, it, their actions, our actions sometimes can be translated into anger, uh, perceived that way, or being overly uh, emotional and weak is the, is the big thing. So, so I'm so glad that there are credible organizations who are, who are doing the research. We have the data that shows that this is what our team members are looking for, asking for, and setting an expectation for. There's a whole generation of young people who expect to be treated a certain way at work with compassion. They expect for their leaders to be vulnerable. They expect to, um, to, to see that softer side. And so if you're going to be competitive in today's environment, you're gonna to have to give that to them. And I think that that is going to bode well for women and people of color in the workplace. So I'm excited about it. No, and it's so simple, Diane. I had a situation yesterday. I was uh, gathering feedback on a 360, and uh, someone gave me a, an example. And this was is this was a 360 for a man, um, and not that that should be surprising. By no means, no apologies to any any males listening to this. Um, she said, um, "I'll give you an example." She said, "He's he treats me like a colleague, not a not a boss." He, he's humanistic, um, not authoritative. And she said, I'll give you an example. If I call him or text him and say, I'm stuck on the freeway, she lives in a major metropolitan area, and say, I, I'm running a few minutes late, he'll say, be safe. And she said, I've never had a boss who wouldn't say, well, why didn't you leave earlier? Mm -hmm. and, and just that difference, um, mm -hmm you know, what's the point of why didn't you leave earlier? She's an adult. She, whether, whether she could have or not, not, be safe is just a kinder thing to say to someone who's a responsible adult. It is. There's an older school of thought that says, if I say something that has that level of compassion in it, then I will be taken advantage of. I'll be a weaker person. That person is going to continue to show up late for work, which is so far from the truth. It's right. so far from the truth. Uh, people actually work harder for people like that. And I'm sure he's seeing, I mean, I don't, I don't know who that is, but he's getting some pretty good results from his team. I can guarantee. That's right. Yep. 
So Diane, another one of the uh, qualities in my book is courage. Mm -hmm. And it clearly takes courage. All of the examples we talked about, even if someone has support and a sponsor, even if someone has an executive coach to turn to, it takes courage to be one's authentic self in the workplace. And one of the things I talk about in my book is there's personal courage and that's the courage to speak up in meetings. That's the courage to share one's background, to dress like, act like, be like, speak like, do do whatever it is that one would do that's authentic and, and represent my core values, my my core beliefs in the workplace. And then there's positional courage. And that's reserved for leaders who have the ability to influence culture. Uh, People like the leader who you mentioned, who is encouraging the other leader to speak up. People who would hire people to change the culture and who would take a stand for those folks. And those people have the ability to make profound change. Um, can you comment on that in your experience um, as you as you work with with individuals that you're coaching or the leaders who are who are helping those people find their voice? Right. So this is actually a, a conversation that I have quite a bit because leaders, while they are in positions of influence, they also carry a lot of fear like any other team member does. Fear of losing their job, fear of not hitting the number, fear of making poor hiring decisions, all of those things that sometimes can just bind them up. But um, results trump everything. So my conversation very often is about the fact that Uh, authenticity, allowing people, inspiring people to be authentic selves can actually reduce stress. It can actually increase your team's uh, job satisfaction. It can uh, drive bottom line results. So having the courage to empower the team to bring their whole selves to work is actually becoming, I don't think we're there yet, but it's going to become sort of a basic uh, requirement of of business. It's gonna be necessary in order to achieve the result. Everybody gets results. Everybody understands something that is tied to results. So the the less fuzzy we kind of make the the role of authenticity in the workplace, the more concrete it becomes for people, I think the more they're gonna see the importance of doing it uh, and allowing people to do it. I want to share um, this quote. Maya Angelou has a quote, uh, and it goes, uh, people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never, ever, ever forget how you make them feel. And so my question for people who are, are challenged with this whole topic of authenticity is, why not make people feel like it's okay to be themselves? Why not? Lovely. Thank you for that. Thank you. 
Diane, this has been an incredible conversation. Um, <laughs> I have thank you. so enjoyed it. I, I think we could keep it going. Um, thank you so much for being here. No, thank you. I appreciate the invitation. And, um, you know, I have been viewing your podcast. They've all been wonderful. I'm just happy to be on the list with some of the folks that you have already interviewed. This is great. And most importantly, I'm hoping that your message, your the messages on your podcast, the message in your book, the messages that you deliver and the work that you do every day is truly making a difference in the workplace. I think it is. And it's just, it's kind of fun to watch to tell you the truth. Congratulations. Thank you for that. Thank you all for watching and listening today. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast by hitting the subscribe button on at what leaders need now or go to whatleadersneednow.com. Under the thought leadership section, you can subscribe and watch previous episodes in our podcast library. I wish you well in your journey in leadership, compassion, courage, and humility, and your journey of authenticity in the workplace.